On today's show, somehow the head coaching candidate list continues to grow for the Milwaukee Bucks and some really interesting names in the last 24 hours, including uh, a blast from the past. So we'll get to that. Also, if the Miami Heat win the NBA championship, how should that make us feel? And also the Blazers potentially floating pick number three in the draft on the table. Can the Bucks get involved in that at all? It might be difficult, but it's worth the conversation. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Locked on Bucks. My name's Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me from the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia. Uh, as always, we thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single weekday. And I've said it a bit over the last week or so, but the conversation continues to be uh, vibrant, enthusiastic, I would say, in the YouTube comments when it comes to the head coaching role. Uh, everyone seems to have some pretty strong opinions on what the Bucks should do. Uh, but we appreciate the support that continues to roll on through the offseason. Eventually, at some point, when the Bucks make a decision on the head coaching role, we have no idea whether it's going to happen soon. But whenever they do, well, then, obviously, we're going to move on to the player movement and stuff as well. So right through June, it's going to be a fascinating time uh, here on Locked on Bucks. So we appreciate the support. Drop a like, a comment, subscribe. All those things is free to do, and it really helps us. Uh, Justin, Kelvin Sampson. What did you think? I mean, look, I, I get what the Bucks are doing here in the approach of let's, as they say, not leave any stone unturned. Um, and I look, I also think it's 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 beneficial, even if you even if you see some of these names and think, well, there's there's no way the Bucks would hire that guy, or I don't want that guy as the head coach. Why are you even interviewing him? I, I do think there is some benefit yet to for John Horst to basically say, I'm going to meet with as many people as possible. And it's, it's no different from any other job of, Hey, how would you do this? And kind of gather some of that Intel, start to organize some of those thoughts and see, well, I was leaning towards this, but I've heard quite a few people bring this up of how they would approach things offensively or defensively. And you have those to, to kind of kick back and forth with whoever it is that you do align on, on hiring and, and bringing into the fold. So I don't have a problem with interviewing as many coaches as the Bucks have already done in this very brief window here and uh, really casting a wide net. A lot of these names, as, as I said, I would assume are not serious contenders or candidates for the job, but it does make sense to review everything you can and get as many ideas and intel as you can for how you're going to approach things as a basketball team because it's going to be a big change to go from the winningest coach in franchise history, one of two to win a title, and a guy who, you, you know, as, as many knocks as Bud took from the fan base, he is maybe the best coach available in just in terms of the system and how much he can raise the floor for any given team. So it's a very good coach that's no longer going to be a part of your organization. So I don't see any negative in trying to, to cast this wide net and gather some of that information. 
No, I totally agree. And I say Kelvin Sampson, for those that, that might not be aware, it was a name that when I saw it on the list, I had to double take and then I had to make sure it was who I thought it was because you know, obviously he was on the staff. He was around the team. He was on the staff back in the Scott Skiles yeah, days. Bradley Center era. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, the Bradley Center still had plenty of time left uh, when Kelvin Sampson was around. He's been in the college scene, uh, but a really, really experienced coach. So I, I tend to agree with you. And, and again, I mentioned that name because he's familiar to a lot of Bucks fans, but the names have continued to come, including some assistants uh, that people might not be all that familiar with as well. But I guess what I've been considering over the last few days, because we've gone through and we've done some podcasts. Uh, we did a Nick Nurse podcast yesterday, which I found really interesting. If you haven't caught that, you can go back and listen. We did a Monty Williams uh, podcast as well. Uh, it's a little more challenging with some of these assistants. I know there was a couple of people that asked you know, for a Mark Jackson uh, a podcast as well. And and I'd be honestly fascinated what an interview looks like with Mark Jackson. Clearly he coached when he was coaching, he coached some offensive talented players. Now, let's face it. The Bucks would love to have that type of uh, dynamic player on their roster. So yeah, I'm really curious to, to know what an interview would look like there, but I think you're right. I think it's about gathering, gathering all the information from across all these candidates. But the other point that we haven't really discussed so much is that, not only has the head coaching role been steady and stable over the last five seasons, but so have the assistants for the most part. There are some faces there that have been basically there for the entire journey, and obviously you've lost some along the way. So you figure there's going to be a whole new assistant coach lineup here as well. Now, typically, I'm sure the new head coach is going to have a big say in that, so you're not hiring any assistants before the head coaches. But the idea of perhaps having some more experience and maybe a former head coach as, a, as an assistant, as a lead assistant, maybe an offensive specialist is something that has been floated before. Uh, that's why, to me, talking to all these guys, even if you're impatient as a fan, I think you have the right to be impatient. But talk to everyone. Make the right decision. Yeah, and um, it's really, I mean, the, the only scenario where you wouldn't necessarily see well, potentially massive, massive uphaul or a massive turnover in your assistant ranks would be if Charles Lee was promoted that you would assume right. there'd be some assistance on the staff that would say that doesn't necessarily mean everyone. But I mean, it's a good point that, you, you know, it, it's not just Bud in the system, but this there's a lot of familiarity and even guys like Josh Oppenheimer, who have seemingly been here forever. It's, it's two different stints with Josh Oppenheimer that you just have a lot of these guys that have continued to rise through the ranks. You mentioned all the guys that have left, and that's the remarkable part when you look at the success that all of those assistants have gone on to, not necessarily from Milwaukee, but from under Bud, with names like Kenny Atkinson, who's on the list as well, and Quinn Snyder, but certainly what Darvin Ham is doing right now, what we saw from Taylor Jenkins. So you've had not only a, a very good coach in Bud, but a very good staff that he's had surrounding him as well. And, you know, I, I saw the comments uh, from Bobby Portis yesterday too, about, you know, people don't understand the loss of, of Darvin Ham and what that, that meant. And, and that's a big part of the turnaround in Los Angeles that, you know, that is a big part of the stability that we've seen with the Bucks, not just the system that Bud brings. I, I suppose it is the system because those coaches are a big part of it. Yeah. I, there's obviously been a big turnaround with the Lakers, but I think everyone, in some part, I'm going to say there's some people that are just going to be straight up Lakers haters, okay? And that's totally fine. But I think for a lot of Bucks fans, seeing the success that Darwin is having, 
and the way he's handling himself and working through these series. And I mentioned the other day, obviously, an adjustment in game one that ended up being pretty vital. Uh, didn't get the win, but it, it's fun to see. It's fun to see him uh, doing so well. Uh, just one last point on, on these podcasts. We're going through the candidates. So as I said, the, there are listeners that are asking for different candidates. We're still going to do it. I do actually want to do a Mark Jackson pod. He hasn't coached for 10 years, so I'm just trying to think uh, who wants to get on and was around that uh, Warriors team back in the day. So we'll work through that. Uh, Frank Vogel is another one. Uh, where does that name sit with you? So it was one of the first names to come to mind um, when this this head coaching position became open because, you know, you, you I had at least mentioned this, and I think you you kind of agreed as well, that I have a hard time seeing the Bucks, and this isn't to say that it's not going to happen. I just have a hard time seeing a team in their position going with a coach that doesn't have some more experience and maybe hasn't coached in the finals or at least gone on deep playoff runs. So you immediately looked at, well, I know Nick Nurse is out there. Frank Vogel kind of checks off a lot of those boxes as well. He won a title with the Lakers. Defense is his thing. Um, he's a very good coach. And again, we've seen this sustained that a couple of stops that he had. One wasn't that great, but you look at the players that he had with him yeah. in Orlando. Um, but to me, I think the biggest thing that people would push back on with Frank Vogel and, and why I'd be interested if I'm John Horst to gather some more intel and hear how you're going to approach this side of the ball is he's never been known for his offense. And, you know, we can point to what the Miami Heat did to the Bucks, their defense in that first round series. But the common trait here is offense and that's where things have gone south for the bucks when they've exited the playoffs obviously chris middleton's injury had a lot to do with that a season ago the offense wasn't great against the miami heat in this playoff run certainly wasn't good in the bubble and the offense really started to lose its footing in that series against the raptors in 2019 so um not to say hey you can't hire frank vogel because he's known as a defensive guy that would be my one uh, question and curious to see how that's answered if Frank Vogel is a serious candidate. So we're obviously going to continue to talk about this. Uh, I remember 12 months ago when we discussed uh, potential assistant coaching vacancies, Darvin Ham went out, Charles Lee moved up. And at the time I was wondering if someone like Kenny Atkinson, Quinn yeah. Snyder potentially could come in and be a lead assistant uh, for the Bucks. So I think that uh, role is going to be fascinating over the next few weeks as well let's talk about players a little bit let's talk about the number three pick in the portland trailblazers we'll get to that next and then we're going to talk about the miami heat but first as justin shakes he said but first ebay motors for a championship team it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit it's the same when it comes to your vehicle every part needs to fit just right so the next time you need parts and accessories head to ebay motors with ebay guaranteed fit you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you'll get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single weekday. If you've missed what we've done through the week, go check it out. A Monty Williams pod, a Nick Nurse pod. Give those guys 
near the top of your list. There was some interesting content there. And as we continue to move forward, as I said, Frank Vogel, Mark Jackson, Chris Quinn. I mean, the Miami Heat guys are a little busy right now, but I'd be fascinated to hear about his coaching journey with the Miami Heat and what he's learned along the way against, let's face it, probably the best coach uh, in the game right now in Eric Spolstra. So plenty more to come on Locked on Bucks. We appreciate the support. So the lottery occurred the other night. And there actually is going to be a draft this year, Justin. As it currently stands, if you're a Bucks fan, you probably don't need to worry about it too much. But this number three pick from Portland has been floated out there as, you know, would they be willing to make a trade? And obviously the idea around this is, at least publicly for the most part, Damian Lillard has said, I want to stay. So you can't just keep rolling with the same team and perhaps bringing in a young 18, 19-year-old player is not the way that Damian Lillard in his 30s is going to think that they can fast-track their way to a title. So you can understand why that's a significant asset. They might put that on the table. When you hear this, is there any part of you at all understanding where the Bucs are, understanding the players they have and the situation they're in that thinks, could the Bucs get involved in this? In the third pick? Exactly. No. <laughs> Now, uh, that's I, it today for Locked On Bucks. Now we <laughs> so one. It would send the message of hey, it's over. We, we we've kind of recognized the 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 cap constraints that we're up against. And and by the way, there's a couple other details I do want to touch on in, in a second uh, about the CBA that I think a lot of us kind of forgot about that are going to make it even more difficult for the Bucks. But that move would basically signal okay. We're not going to compete for the next two years, maybe more. So, so we want to restock this team with young talent and hopefully it lines up with Giannis potentially hitting the market once again, where we can convince him to sign an extension or re-sign with us. So for that reason, I don't think so. And then also, you know, for Portland, what realistically would they be looking for from the Bucks? I mean, you could say Drew Holiday of, hey, we can pair Drew Holiday Probably who it Damian is. Damian Lillard. Right. But is Drew Holiday worth a number three pick in the draft at this point? No. So I, I just don't see the roadmap for the Bucks to get there. Yeah, you would have to put some stuff together. And I don't think it's high on the likelihood um, of scenarios that could potentially play out here. I wonder if and and by the way, it's uh there are a lot of details that are potentially going to impact the Bucks, and it's just they're in just a really tight scenario when it comes to this offseason, which is why it is so fascinating. But I, I don't know. I mean, I do think the one thing when we've looked at the Bucks, and it, and it might not be 18 or 19-year-olds, it might be very challenging to do. But they, at times through this season, even when they were playing a team like, I don't know, the Charlotte Hornets or whatever, for a quarter or a half or whatever it is, there, there are teams that just make the Bucks look incredibly slow and unathletic. Now, they've clearly got athletes on the roster, and yes, they've got Giannis. But I, I don't know. There would have to be a lot that would happen, but whatever. Let's just say Scoot Henderson, and I'm not going to act like I'm a draft expert, but Scoot Henderson slips to number three. And Which let's is just very, say, very possible. That's that's exactly right. So I, I don't know if it would totally signal that it's over for this year. And I might be wrong, and that might be silly. But if you still have Chris Milton that stays, you sign Brook Lopez that stays, like that's still going to be a very competitive roster, I would imagine. But 
I, I just don't know whether it's – and I don't think the Bucks are getting the number three pick, but I think these – whatever moves you're looking at this year, I think it is somehow trying to find ways to get some younger, more athletic players. Yeah, and, um, you know, honestly, the the biggest potential impact the Bucks are going to have in the short-term future here is just the continued development of Marjan Bochamp. You really have to right. kind of put all your eggs in that basket that – you know, we saw some nice parts to his game last year. He's going to have to continue to develop for, for the way that they're going to need to transition him in, in, in terms of where he would play and what he would take on. He's going to need to put on a little more bulk as well, but he showed you some nice pieces. So I think overall you feel pretty good about what you saw from his rookie year, but the Bucks are really going to have to rely on continued development from Marjan Bochamp, because as you pointed to um, you got one, you got one pick in this summer's draft. You can't really move the rest of them. And, and, you know, the other interesting part is this. I heard Danny LaRue and Nate Duncan talking about this, and you kind of forget about it. We obviously know most of the constraints the Bucks are going to be up against in in uh, this updated CBA. And, it, and parts of that start this offseason where if you're above that, that second apron, you don't have the mid-level exception or the taxpayer mid-level. The Bucks are likely going to be there. If they're not, it's back to what we said before of, all right, let's just start to rebuild this on the fly. And that would mean Chris Middleton and Brooke are both gone. And you can't do sign-in trades necessarily because you're going to be hard-capped and you're close to being above that level. So uh, they're, they're likely going to be in that spot where you won't have your taxpayer mid-level exception to use the other part is um, how it impacts your future draft picks is you also can't trade a pick that's seven years out. So the 2031 pick, you can't move that. And it's frozen for three years. So you can't trade it in the upcoming season. You can't trade it for the two seasons after that. And the only way you could trade it in the, uh, what would that be, the 26-27 season or 27-28, the only way you could move that is if you've cleansed yourself and gotten under that second apron in each of the next two seasons, which again, with a guy like Giannis, depending on what you do with Chris and those salaries is going to be very tough to do. So it's going to be incredibly difficult for the Bucks, the Clippers, the Warriors, even Denver is going to be close to that, uh, that second apron. There's a handful of these teams. It's going to be tough that basically the way the league is going to be set up is, Hey, you got this nice group. You got three or four years. Win as much as you can because then it's going to slowly deteriorate and we're not going to see any more runs like the Warriors and no more super team. That might be the more likely scenario. But uh, just quickly back to your point on Bochamp. I mean, he had his opportunities early in the season for sure. They were a little bit sporadic. But I'll imagine at the start of this regular season, and clearly it's a long way away and who knows what the Bucks roster looks like. But you have to think if he's still on the roster and still with the Bucks at that point in time, in the first 30 games, it's probably going to be a heavy dose of him and just see what he looks like in year yeah. two. And hopefully he becomes that rotation player. Because if you talk about getting younger and more athletic, there's a guy right there if you can break into the rotation. So I think there's going to be a lot of excitement around uh, what you could potentially see uh, this year from Marjan Bochamp. I want to get to the Miami Heat next and ask the question, if they win the title, if they even just make the NBA finals, how should we feel about that? I'll ask you that next. So I was sitting watching Miami last night against Boston and I'm going to be honest. 
I wasn't surprised with what I saw. It looked like late in the first half, the Boston Celtics were going to run away with the game. Monster third quarter from the Heat. Jimmy Butler going absolutely insane yet again. And clearly there's a long way to go in this series. And the Celtics, let's face it, they're prone to having nights where they let go of the rope a little bit. We've seen this in every series, actually, so far in this postseason. We even saw it against the Bucs last year in that series as well, where they can either, you know, whether it's a game one or another game at home, they, they tend to do this. So I, I don't, this hasn't swung my thoughts that Miami are going to win the series all of a sudden, but I did walk away from it thinking, how, how are people, Bucks fans I'm talking about, feeling watching this Miami Heat team right now? Because I, I wasn't surprised that they got through the Knicks. I think the shooting numbers from the Heat that absolutely plummeted is certainly still going to be a source of frustration for Bucks fans watching them play against the Knicks compared to uh, what they did against the Bucks. But how are, how are you feeling watching Miami win game one and now be three games away from the NBA Finals as an eight seed? It's a good question. Um, not surprised, really. I know. I know. Last year, I had um, I'd said, look, I, I thought the Celtics were clearly the best team in the league, and they should win that series after what we saw against the Bucks. And they kind of just, as, as you mentioned, let go of the rope in that series against Miami last year. They did the same against the Warriors. That everything was kind of a chore for the Celtics to advance, and it's been tenfold this year where you look at how much they basically struggled to put away the Atlanta Hawks in the first round 76ers who I did think were going to come out of that series and eventually win the title this year 76ers took them to seven games and now you drop game one against the Miami Heat they're 500 at home in the playoffs the last uh, two plus playoff runs too which is another thing that that jumps out at you but it's it's what we've come to expect from Miami and it's one of these things where you mentioned you, you kind of approach it and think, well, this this can't possibly last. And we went through this conversation in the first round of, okay, that was one game. They can't do this for a series. And then they did it for two more games. It's, it's This can't last for the rest of the series. And then they beat you. And it's, well, they're going to come crashing back to earth against the Knicks, even if we think the Bucks are a better team than the Knicks. And they dominate the Knicks. And now they start this series the way they do. I hate the Miami Heat and I hate <laughs> everything about them as somebody who uh, collects a paycheck from the Bucks. The Miami Heat have uh, shortened my amount of earning windows ah, right. in two of the last couple of years. So I really, really hate this team. Um, but I respect them so much and the job that Spo has done and the fact the way, you know, we talk about what the Bucks are going to have to do do whatever you can to take anything from the front office for Miami, because you look at the way they have developed guys that weren't blue chip prospects, undrafted guys, second round picks. They've developed them into rotational players. That's the reality the Bucks are facing and what they're going to have to do. But this has been the pedigree of Miami. As much as we hate the heat culture um, verbiage that we constantly hear, you can't deny it. And Jimmy Butler's a big piece of that. Even seeing, Kyle Lowry, I think the most frustrating part for Bucks fans, Kyle <laughs> Lowry, if you saw him during the regular season and saw him in the postseason, you'd be stunned that's the same player. Uh, but this is what Miami does. And I approached the series against Boston saying Boston should win. I honestly have no idea who's going to win this series, and I would not be shocked if the Miami Heat won. I think the larger part of your question, 
I'm assuming here is, well, if Miami wins and gets to the finals, how does that make you feel about the first round exit? And does it soften the blow a little bit that you hear fans say, well, at least we lost to the team that won the conference. None of that is in play for me. I don't care about that, especially with the way the Bucks looked in that series. I mean, you can, you can try to convince yourself, well, we lost to the best team. And that was the team that was going to win the conference regardless. They dominated you. It's an easier sell if that's a seven-game series that goes all the way down to the wire in game seven. I agree. I've never been someone that subscribes to that anyway. Like, Because you lose anyway. I mean, it, it doesn't – I don't know. I don't, I don't know how you sleep better at night and say, well, we lost to the champions, but we did it in the first round. They, uh, that doesn't help me. But I'm curious. Let us know in the comments. How are you watching the Miami Heat right now? Are you absolutely hate watching the Miami Heat? Is there respect there? Does it make you feel better? Everyone will feel different. So I, I don't, there's obviously no right or wrong answer there, but I'm curious how people are feeling. And that was something uh, I was thinking about as I watched that game last night. It is curious, though, if we look at the teams left, there's a seventh seed and an eighth seed. I'm just, you know, I well, just wonder how the league feels about what that means for the regular great. season. I think they, they feel great about it because what we just you know, spent some time talking about the CBA. This is what they want that I don't agree with it. I'm more of a dynasties person. That's, you know, I get the complaints that we were Bucks fans. So we knew what it was like in the nineties and the two thousands, when you would approach the league in, in the year and say three teams, maybe four on any given year, have a legitimate chance to win the title. It's, it's really, you know, who the clear favorite is. And then if you're not in that group, good luck. This new CBA is the league saying we want to go in the opposite direction. And we're going to be more like the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NFL where you have a handful of teams. I think I think ideally the league wants 10 very good teams, 10 good teams, and 10 teams that you can say, oh, well, they're up and coming and they're not terrible. And this new CBA is going to do a lot of that where it's going to level the playing field. I just wonder, I, I'm, I'm assuming this is done because of all the same talking points about the regular season. I think this was an effort to say, this is how we'll make the regular season more meaningful is everybody's close to being the same. I would argue, I think the regular season carries more importance with those great teams because casual fans are tuning in to see the nineties bulls, the warriors, the Miami heats, those teams, LeBron and the Cavs. If you tell me, well, all these teams are the same. I just don't see the appeal of saying, Hey, you got a really good Charlotte Hornets team versus a pretty good Memphis Grizzlies team. That's going to draw the ratings. Yeah, I guess that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yes, they're happy that more teams are a chance to win the title. But it's also two teams that, well, specifically if you look at the Lakers, they're like, well, LeBron can play 50 games. AD can play 50 games. And we can still win the title. So, yes, you're, you've opened it up. But you've got two teams there that, that weren't really that good during the regular season. And I, don't, I, I think that, yes, it's good for the playoffs. The playoffs have been awesome. They've been unpredictable. That's fantastic. But... Yeah, I'm not sure it answers the 82-game question. Yeah, I was going to say I absolutely think this is a great thing for their playoffs going forward, that you're going to have more teams. And and make no mistake, the league would love if they had a bubble rematch and they can say, look, two play-in tournament teams are playing for the title and it gives validity to that play-in tournament. It's going to be good for ratings and everything else in the postseason to say every team legitimately has a chance. I just think it's it's going to uh, – I don't know if it will make the regular season worse in terms of your fan interest and ratings, 
I just don't think it's going to be a boost to it. All right. It's going to be fascinating. But uh, yeah, I've made my predictions before. I thought it was going to be Boston and Denver in the finals at the start of this series. Uh, we'll see whether that's the case uh, over the next uh, week or so there. As I said, the shows are going to continue rolling over the next uh, weeks here or right through the offseason, no doubt. But let us know what you thought about today's show, uh, the assistant coach conversation and what's going to happen with this Bucks staff, uh, the player movement, the Bucks getting younger. What would be your strategy Sometimes those strategies come through aren't quite legal, but uh, send them through either way and we'll have a discussion. I look forward to getting into conversation on YouTube uh, and perhaps some of the names that we've seen uh, in the last couple of days. Let us know, including an old friend in uh, Calvin Sampson, which was, which was again, as I said, um, was a surprise when it came through, but I'm all for talking to absolutely everyone. I, I don't have a problem with that uh, at all. So we appreciate the support. Thanks for watching the show. Myself and Justin, we'll catch you all tomorrow.